It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 82 of the Happy Curse Monday. of the Black Turl. Black Turl, I said, because <laughs> you screwed me up. You hijacked things again. <laughs> What's what a Black Turl? <laughs> yeah, it's a Black Turtle, actually. <laughs> What are you hijacking things for again? I haven't had one of those moments in a while. It's that I'm really excited about the upcoming week deal. I mean, we're reaching a next level point in the movie, actually. And it's for one simple reason. Pirate sailing action. There's panoramic shots of ships. Waves crashing against the hulls. Ships pursuing their prey. Naval and nautical strategies. And dare I say, a battle sequence, potentially. What? Not in this minute. Not in this minute. I didn't say this minute, did I? I said this week. I mean, you can't have a pirate movie without some blatant open ocean adventure, as far as I'm concerned. Now, it remains to be seen how much fodder each of these minutes has for analysis or breakdown when we actually get into it. But as of right now, things are looking up for us, at least in terms of just kicking back and watching some ships a-sailing, if you want to say. Or... If it pans out the opposite of that, I mean, we could get sidled with minutes that actually have no dialogue and just some waves slapping against the ship. And that wouldn't be good for us either. But I'm hoping that's not the case. And I think we just have to jump into the minute to find out, actually. I think you're just trying to clean up your battle scene blurb earlier. What does that mean? You mentioned about battle scene this week. Yeah? Yeah. I think you're just trying to clean that up. No. By saying about water slapping against the sides of a ship. Well, I don't know, because I, I haven't looked ahead, but it could be uh-huh. that stuff happening, or it could just be that we have minutes that are full of just ship sailing, and then nothing going on. I see. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, I see. I Get it You now. know what the hell's going on. Ah! I have decreed that you do not know what's going on as captain of this vessel. You are not captain. I am captain. And I can prove that by saying, in the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow, the unselfish and thoughtful pirate that he is, figured that after ten years of tirelessly searching and working their fingers to the bone, the cursed crew deserved a much-needed, all-inclusive beach getaway. The kind where you can peacefully stand on a sandy beach and have someone shout a name at you while sailing by. Ah, those Disney cruises are so creative and fun. Meanwhile, Bosun delivers a message to Captain Monkey that the Interceptor is in striking distance, which sparks Jack to propose a new, equally awesome idea that involves a flag and mouse-like action. What? Captain Monkey? Captain Monkey. (laughs) I'm taking my Monkey Captain hypothesis to a whole new level now. Okay. Instead of Captain Barbosa, it's now Captain Monkey. Yeah, Yeah, because I think he's actually talking to the Monkey now. (laughs) I'm going full out Captain Monkey hypothesis. (laughs) Minute 82 begins with Jack finishing his line over to the Interceptor and negotiate the return of your medallion. Aye, what say you to that? Captain Barbosa replies, You see, Jack, 
That's exactly the attitude that lost you the pearl. People are easier to search when they're dead. The minute ends with Elizabeth Swan offering some advice on losing the approaching black pearl. Can't we lose them amongst the shoals? Gibbs agrees. We don't have to outrun them long. Just long enough. Anna Maria turns hard to the shoals and gives the order to lighten the ship. From stem to stern, Gibbs begins to say, Anything we can afford to... Dot, dot, dot. And we already started the minute. And, you know, because you hijacked the show again. And it's not as bad as last time when you hijacked the show. But you did it again and you made me jump right to the minute to just show that I was the captain here. And I almost forgot... That I am Again, captain. No, that you're not captain, but you are in charge of the pirate word of the week. That and I, I tried am to captain. make a point not to forget it today, and I almost did now. So, you filthy bilge rat. <laughs> I'm going to blast your bones if you don't give us the pirate word of the week right now. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Okay, pimple. <laughs> Jeez. What? <laughs> and after I just had some nice words of endearment, yeah. then you go around and say that? It's just yeah. ridiculous. What is that? Pimple. I know, but what's... Oh, used figuratively to refer to a disgusting or offensive person. <laughs> <laughs> Especially one of little consequence. What the hell? <laughs> and you called that to me. What the hell is going on here? Well, you're not you're, captain. You're taking over the show and everything. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> that is truly just appalling actually after the highbrow content i provide i called you pimple yeah exactly Mm -hmm. you're bringing the show to all new lows is really what's going on here after i was like hey there i was like dear what is the pirate word of the week yeah and you said you call me a bilge rat by the way no yeah I say we just So I call you a pimple. <laughs> that is just ridiculous. Anyways, there's some insight into what Barbosa thinks about Jack as captain in this particular minute. Well, maybe more so now that the first attempt at in the curse has failed and he's really irritated. But we do know that he does have some compassion or maybe it's more accurate to say some conservation of valuable resources. Because he does tell Elizabeth, waste not when he spared her life in the treasure cave, you know? Yeah. But that is pretty much vanished now, and that's probably because the curse is of the utmost priority, or ending the curse is of the utmost priority. But there's no more playing Mr. Nice Guy, or Bad Guy, or is it Mr. Bad, nice Bad, bad guy? guy? Mr. Bad Bad Guy, <laughs> since technically he was already a bad guy. So I don't really know how that goes. If you're a bad guy, and you're I don't know. Anyways, is Jack's proposal to negotiate the return of the medallion now perceived as a weakness with Barbosa? Or is it just the words from a fed-up pirate who wants to end his ordeal once and for all? No further delays. No further complications. Let's just get this done. Because why does he say that that's the attitude that lost him the pearl? It's a very good question there, Pimple. (laughs) 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 Because he does spare Elizabeth. Yeah. So it's not like he's not without... He says want, waste not. So it's not without that Yeah, but she's a pretty young lady. That's true, I guess. Jack is not. Okay, I gotcha. I don't think that Barbosa really has respect for Jack. Well, definitely not. You know, I mean, obviously showing he must see it as a sign of weakness instead of just flat out suggesting to kill the people on the interceptor he is. Oh, let's negotiate with them type of thing. That's my point, is that when he was talking with Elizabeth, it was a waste not kind of deal. 
not going to spill her blood, just a little bit of blood to end the curse. Now, I mean, maybe it is because he doesn't like Jack, but now he's more of forget this because he even says people are easier to search when dead. So I think he's just completely tired of the whole situation. And maybe that's the reason that he orders Jack to the brig and then he throws the apple out to sea. So 10 years is obviously too long. The end was in sight and now it's in sight again on the interceptor and he's just done with all this. Well, the only reason he's keeping Jack alive is because Jack has information he needs. Otherwise, he would have gotten rid of him. Gotten rid of Jack. Yeah. You know, so it's not like he's soft hearted, basically, just because he saved Elizabeth. Soft hearted Barbosa. I think he just saved Elizabeth because she's a cute little. But is he going to save her this time? Would he save her this time? No. And I know we've kind of talked about that. The crew already was like, we got to spill all her freaking yeah, blood. I don't think it. it no, because now it's. I'm serious. I need to get, I need to change back to my normal ways here. Yeah. You know, he's serious about this. He's not playing games anymore. Okay. He's done with the games. That's what I was wondering if that's what was going on because that whole deal of that's the attitude that lost him. So basically, he's just tired of anybody that's going to just let anybody go and negotiate. There's no more negotiating no. here. It's time to just end this fiasco. No more playing games here. No. Nope. Is what we said. He's done. As I was also talking about in the intro, we are getting some actually nice seafaring cinematography shots. And the Lady Washington, those your bones cracking? I don't know if people heard that, but her bones were actually cracking. She's like a cursed crew member in here. She's like doing exercises while doing this, and all of a sudden she's cracking bones. Ankles and knees. Jeez. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was talking about the Lady Washington or the Interceptor. There's waves crashing against the hull. The Black Pearl is in the background pursuing. And I just really like these high sea shots that are going on here. Yeah, they're pretty cool, actually. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's not like they're the best high no. sea shots or anything. But I think it's like a welcome. It's that welcome addition to the movie. Finally, we're getting some of that. We got a little bit of it before with Jack and Will when they were on the Interceptor. Right. And they stole slash commandeered it. Right. But now we're actually at least getting more of that kind of action yeah. there. And these actually high seas shots are credited to Bruce Hendricks, and he was the second unit director on the film. And so Bruce was president of physical production for the Walt Disney Motion Picture Group from 1992 to 2011. And while he was there, he actually served as director, assistant director, second unit director, producer, production manager, and a number of other things. But He's for just us, an all-around guy. Well, when you're in charge of stuff like that, you can just pretty much do whatever you choose, I guess. For us here, though, at least Pirates-related... He was an executive producer on the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies and had an uncredited role on the fourth on Stranger Tides as executive in charge of production. So that was probably more of a general title because he was already in charge of some of the Disney stuff there. So it just was kind of a default position or default title that he got for the movie. So he actually is currently at Dick Cook Productions as president of production. And Dick Cook is also an ex-Disney executive. And I thought that was interesting to bring it up just because in 2015, Dick Cook launched the production company, Dick Cook Productions, as I said, with a $150 million investment from a group in China. And his new LA-based studios here is creating family-oriented movies, TV shows, and other entertainment. But a year later, in 2016, the company landed another Chinese investment of $500 million. So it just goes to show you really that China is really gearing up for... Movies, as their population is really digesting a lot more movies. This 
Chinese film industry is really becoming this kind of big juggernaut. And we're seeing a lot of people looking to, well, North America is not necessarily the bastion of a movie box office take anymore, you know, like it used to be. Now we're seeing the kind of taking hold. And I look like a lot of the movies that they were doing were some Chinese movies, actually. Oh, really? Or, or things that were to play in China or made for China. So, huh. which is not surprising because if they're getting a lot of Chinese investments to have yeah. a studio in LA, or at least that production company, and then they're making and gearing movies towards that market is understandable, especially since it really is a huge market now. So that's all the behind the scenes stuff I want to talk about. I just thought it was interesting as I was looking up this guy who was actually in charge of these shots that, you know, his, his world kind of expanded back out into a lot of the other behind the scenes stuff still that he's doing. Really, that was just a buffer that I needed to get into some meaty stuff here. The apple? Not the apple. I wasn't going to talk about any apples. Are you going to talk about apples? Well, I thought it was kind of interesting the way Barbosa took the apple from See, Jack. See, I knew you had something that we were previously talking about and I mentioned, yet you didn't jump in. You didn't mention the apple. I did. No. When we when you hear this broadcast, you will hear that I said that he threw the he takes the apple and he throws it out to sea. And you could have jumped in when, with something. When in the in the intro? No. Oh, when we were talking about Jack, see, it. that's right. You weren't listening. You were in your own cracking probably, bone world. I was probably again. watching the dog roll around on the floor. That's not the priority I here. The okay. listeners are the priority. Go for it. Tell us what you got. I just thought it was kind of interesting the way he took the apple. He looked like he was going to take a bite of Jack's apple, and then he looked at it and like gave it this disgusting look and then threw it overboard. He's like, that's ah. because it was part of that whole last minute deal with Jack really giving him. If I could quote Beaver Cleaver or Wally, the business. <laughs> and because Jack was really sticking it to him with the apple thing. And so then he gets the apple and he just like gives it that look like, yeah, I could really want this. And then he just, it's like he almost wants to crush it in his hand yeah. and then he throws it overboard. But that's not the meat of what I was going to talk about. Oh, so I had there's to have more this, meat? Yeah, I had to have this buffer zone as I got into and, and worked up to it. Really, this one thing in this minute that I find that's interesting, let's just say, is that Elizabeth is the one who proposes sailing to the shoals. The Black Pearl has a deep keel, and if they lighten the load, the Interceptor will rise enough to sail over the shallows, and then they can potentially get away. So what I find interesting about that part is that she's the one to offer this strategy. Why didn't Gibbs or Anna Maria do some strategic thinking here? They didn't see the shoals. I hope Anna Maria just saw the, the look shoals. he just gave me. That's because I thought that was a <laughs> question. So I was thinking, Anna, wait, I'm like, what's she trying to say? Oh, no, Anna Maria's driving the ship, steering the ship. She needs to be able to see that stuff. If she's not seeing the shoals in the beach and all that, then Anna Maria shouldn't be steering because she's going to just wreck things. Maybe they didn't know she, it was set shallower on the draft or didn't think about it. Trying to get away. I know. That's my point. The strategy comes from the... They thought they had just speed and speed would work. But obviously speed didn't work. Well, speed didn't work. But my point so is... just said. The strategy comes from one of two people on board with no real sailing experience. Based on what we know, Will and Elizabeth have been passengers. But I don't think that they're skilled in the art of sailing, let alone eluding a pursuing pirate. That's my point. I mean, I'll give you that Elizabeth has studied pirates and probably has come across some certain strategies in her reading. 
But why is it that not any of the other sailors recommended this course of action? Answer me that. Well, Elizabeth's been around Norrington. Maybe she learned it all from Norrington. Norrington's just like, by the way, pirates are chasing you. Well, that's He's possible. He's not talking to her. He's talking oh. to other people. She's just listening along. Has she really been that in tune with Norrington? Doing? She's interested. No, she isn't. We know what happens. She Not gets, in Norrington. She's interested in sailing. We saw how interested she was. She jumped off a cliff to not, get away from him I'm in the conversation. Norrington. She's interested in sailing. She's interested in pirates. In pirates. That's what I'm saying. I said I would give you that she'd probably come across certain strategies. I mean, maybe not so much that the... I just can't see that she is knowing more than the crew, these experienced sailors. We're talking grizzled cotton here. <laughs> Cotton's parrot. saying she knows more. Maybe they, she just maybe thought about something mo- that they didn't think about. Maybe this other Motley crew just didn't, you know, we can forgive them because they're, yeah, like I said, a little scurvied up or whatever. But Gibbs, come on. A pirate naval seaman, Gibbs? I mean, he needs to step it up, man, if he's not recommending this kind of stuff. Right? Think about it. Yeah. I mean, I understand. It is odd that she am, brought it up. I yes. understand from the movie because she's one of the main characters and we got to kind of give her that heroine role. Yeah, but she really wouldn't know enough about sailing to su- Why that she-, she would feel comfortable suggesting an alternative to what they were doing. I mean, it's book smart she probably has because she has done her research on pirates. She knows the whole pirate code. I mean, she really is on the ball with sailing and pirates and that kind of stuff, at least maybe from or pirate lore and pirate legend. Sailing, I don't know. I'm going to just assume that, yeah, that's part of what she's been reading up on. But I can see that she would know that. But what wouldn't it have been more believable if, if Gibbs was the one to say it or Marty or one of the other crew members? Or even and, Anna Maria. Or Anna Maria. And then she goes, yeah, the Black Pearl's pro- a deep-keeled hull. Like, yeah. she could recite something that she's read. Almost in that, like, she recited the Pirate Code of Brethren kind of deal with Parlay. Right. Then you can see, yeah, she's reciting something she read and has been interested in. But for her to make that suggestion just seems a little odd to me. I mean, like I said, I can see from the movie's point of view because she's that heroine type and that strong-willed woman. But you have Anna Maria who is also taking a strong woman role. But Elizabeth is the main character. Yeah, but, right? Yeah. I mean, they could have given that off. Because oh, yeah. why is she the one who's who's bringing that up is just a little bizarre. Because Gibbs or somebody else should have really been up on strategy. The Black Pearl is catching up to us. What are we going to do to elude them? Not just sit there, there's nothing we can do kind of deal and, and kind of panicking. Yeah. Come on. That's all I'm saying. Picking apart the movie. Not picking apart the movie. Because <laughs> I said that I could understand why they gave it to her, that kind of heroine right. strong role. But I just don't know why they did it when there was an obvious other strong woman figure who could have equally shouldered that burden and been more realistic because she is a pirate lady. And she knows what a light, shallow boat can do with her infamous Jolly Mon, that pirate scourge vessel of the seas (laughs) that are just looted all kinds of merchant vessels, you know, when the Jolly Mon shows up on somebody's... (laughs) bow or stern or side or whatever you see though that's what i'm talking about what does everybody else think out there do they think that it was a little bizarre or maybe out of place or however you want to call it that elizabeth was the one who suggested that strategy if so you can give us a shout out on our facebook listeners group or facebook that's all i'm just saying not picking it apart i'm just saying that i just thought it was a little odd it's a little odd 
okay, we'll leave that there. We won't we won't disparage the film anymore for right now. <laughs> right now. Then there were a couple pirate words I thought I'd point out. We already had our pirate word of the week, and it's weird that Heather actually chose something that was kind of self-reflecting. But there are some other nautical terms today that struck my fancy, and I figured that they might not be something everyone is familiar with. So here we go. Gibbs says, hands aloft to loose to gallants. Do you know what a to gallants is? No. On a square rigged sailing vessel, a top gallant, which is actually how it's spelled, so I'm just kind of phonetically saying it there, but it's top gallant alone is actually pronounced to gallant. And then the top gallant sail, or to gallant sail, is pronounced to garnsel. I don't know, maybe I butchered it all. This is exactly why we need to have an expert here. But it's the square rigged sail, or sails immediately above the top sails or top sail. It's also known as a gallant or garrant sail for everybody out there. And Anna Maria orders the motley crew to lighten the ship, she says, from stem to stern. So it obviously means over the full length of the boat or the ship, you know, basically from the front end of the vessel to the back end. And that's pretty clear, I think, in the context, right? Yes. But the idiom stretches back all the way to 1608 and maybe further. But the earliest one I found was from a Shakespearean reference, and that was in Pericles. And it was Act 4, Scene 1, and he says, A canvas climber, ha, says one, wilt out, and with a dropping industry, they skip from stem to stern. It's our little Shakespeare for the day. See, I told you it was highbrow. It's a highbrow day. <laughs> I don't know. Shakespeare on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute? That's almost uh, blasphemy. Yeah. <laughs> Heather calls me pimple, and then I bring up Shakespeare. I think we all know who the real, well, who the real high society aristocrat is here, I think. Really? Oh, yeah. It's got to be, like I was saying, a Pirates of the Caribbean minute first that we have Shakespeare going on. So we are so cultured now, everyone, that it was only a matter of time we evolved into quoting Shakespeare. (laughs) It's incredible. At least for me, it's not because I can roll that way. But Heather... I quote Shakespeare every day. What are you talking about? Arr, grog. It's like caveman talk with her over there. That's really what she's quoting. (laughs) It does. It just comes out. I'm getting the evil eye. (laughs) But I'll say something that she likes. It's give me my grog because I think we need to probably make an accord and drink to never let the aristocracy pollute us again, probably. For crying out loud, guys. This is a show about euphemisms. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean. That's what we're about here. We're about that lowbrow comedy most of the time. Not Shakespeare. Yeah, not Shakespeare. I don't know what happened to me. I don't know either. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Pretty soon you'll be quoting Romeo and Juliet. I'm not quoting. You're not what? Quoting, quoting? I'm not quoting Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> oh, man. I say we get out of here. What do you say? Yep. That's all I have. Time. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 83 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Get me my grog. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. 
And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. 